Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Barney, and... Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed You know my mom never actually watched QVC. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait I definitely years, can't hear you. Welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast. It has the loudest bumpers ever, at least for me. say anything right now but he wouldn't hear me anyway so what's that's the point? true like i turned it down now i can hear you so be careful and welcome to the out of practice podcast a weekly podcast in which me and mike and deglio discuss david e kelly's award-winning series the practice uh which we already yeah see I guess we should address the expiration in the room. Uh, so we've been using and pimping and pimping. trying. That's the important part. We have pimping. genuinely been pimping, A, so they wouldn't sue us, but two, to avert this very possible disaster, the practice expires on Hulu in 11 days mm-hmm. at, from from airing today. So... Uh, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's going to migrate to another service. Nothing has been announced that I'm aware of. Uh, Boy, we have some tough decisions to make, Mike. Yeah, and let's discuss them uh, with our audience because you guys are important to this consideration. You know that part of the episode that you probably don't listen to at the end where I ask uh, for money and then we like self-deprecate deprecantly say that we don't actually need your money and that we don't deserve it and all those things. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) We have been using it to pay for our Hulu subscription, uh, theoretically at least, and yeah, wait, wait, wait. Let's 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 break that down. Whose okay. Hulu are are we using for the practice? I mean, my, as, I I think it's yours. It's your it's your fake email address, at least. It's definitely mine. And okay. uh, and and who controls the purse strings of the out of practice podcast fortune? Uh, that is me. Uh-huh. Uh No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think we did make a tacit agreement at one point to. <laughs> Release the funds, uh, the Kraken, if you will, the financial mm-hmm. Kraken, mm-hmm. if you will, yes. uh, upon completion of the episode, mm. Mm. Uh, uh, the series. Um, because, I see. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a lot of money. We're gonna have to get lawyers involved. So we're gonna have to really draw up some papers. <laughs> I mean, what's fifty percent of zero? It's it's amazing. Um, no, so I so in all in in jokes aside. We have to decide whether you'll recall there was a period of time I can't remember why we we went to a uh, illicitly uh, not illicitly clandestinely uh, acquired. I think illicit episodes. also works. Yeah, okay. yeah, we bootlegged them basically. I can't remember why we did that. We were trying. We were really uh, trying. Well, it, it was for. Uh, I th- oh, oh, you know it. 
No, it wasn't because uh, it was a crossover that couldn't be found. Like, Boston Public could only be found that mm-hmm. way because it wasn't broadcasting anywhere. I, it was for some audio issue or for I don't know. Technical, we couldn't get Hulu to display for our to watch together, whatever it was. We hadn't uh, cracked the code yet. And we found out that those, believe it or not, bootlegged off a VHS tape recording mm-hmm. made 20 years ago. The audio was kind of shitty. Yeah, it's not good. So we went to the Hulu. Now, the only way I can figure it out, Keith, is $2 per episode on Amazon. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, Hulu allows you to download the episodes, but I imagine they will expire even though we've downloaded them after. It is an interesting uh, conversation, though, because it hasn't been long. You remember when streaming first started, like when we we were on the break between... Netflix, you were still getting DVDs in the mail, and you could also get a couple of movies streaming online. Right. And everybody, this will never work, this is terrible, just cut to, now paying $2 for an episode of TV you want to watch is an outrage. Outrage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, and, and there's also the consideration, because it's not just us, it's all of you who I mean, I'm assuming that most of you are watching along as we're discussing this. To be fair, so, I don't know that that's, that that's a fair assumption. The only the only evidence I have is Jen, who prefers not to watch the episode. She says that she gets she enjoys it as an audio drama with our stupid commentary. Now, granted, she married me, so she has a fucked up perspective. She clearly has bad is, taste. Yeah. Well, and also, uh, normally I'd say don't say that because Hulu will sue us. But now, I mean, what are they going to do? Fuck you, Hulu. Well, yeah. what it goes to show, Keith, is that we've clearly, the numbers are not there for Hulu to keep this show around. Like, nobody's watching it, which means we have not brought any boys to the yard, if you will. As I have said many times, if you notice no change in your in your subscribers, you've gotten the oopsie bump. Uh, so... Yeah. Well, hold so, on. Let's actually let's think about this. Let's let's really think about uh, this. Was a NBC drama at this point? What ABC. channel are we on? ABC. ABC. Okay. I was going to say because CBS has Paramount Plus, NBC has Peacock. It's Does, uh, it is currently owned by Fox, which is owned by Disney. So it's I guess a Disney Plus potential. Potentially, I mean, ideally. This switches to another provider, which, yes. I mean, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. At which point, I mean, honestly, if it goes to Netflix, Netflix has a much bigger market share than Hulu Maybe does we, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, we could we could get three listeners. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out in 11 days. I We certainly will. Uh, yeah, that's going to be... Uh, going to have some tough choices to make. And it's too bad because we're so close to the end. I know we almost made it, but... It's you know what? Regardless, folks, you will see no interruption in your. Well, well, you know what? You're, we're gonna get episodes. We're gonna get them. We're, we're gonna figure something. We're gonna figure something out for uh, you know, for Phoenix and Jorge to, to, yeah, for a long. Look, Maybe we'll just call you and just do the episode <laughs> live. You know what? There's only what forty episodes. We're just gonna invite you to the Zoom and just have at it. We're, we're just gonna have a long weekend. <laughs> And we'll Actually, at this point, between Phoenix and Jorge, you guys, you guys just want to do it. Like, we'll give you the credentials. Just do the podcast. Let me mm-hmm. know when it's up, and I'll. Uh. 
Yeah, oh boy. All right. Well, unfortunately, <sighs> there's probably people out there listening to the feature who are like, "Yes, this we would prefer. Just let them do it. Anybody but you two assholes." Anybody. <laughs> well, I mean, look what you know. We were saying uh, talk about market share with Hulu's market share of streaming and such, and uh, we have a hundred percent of the market share of the practice podcast. Unfortunately. It's a hundred percent of a very small pie of people hey. interested in uh, niche, baby, it, niche. Well, we we went for niche. We got quiche. That's a, <laughs> it's a very small egg pie. And that that level of humor is the reason <laughs> one of the factor contributing factors to to our market share. <laughs> we went for niche. That's our new T-shirt, Keith. Which I haven't seen a new a new T-shirt every epi- every season. We mm, went mm. for niche. We got quiche. <laughs> That, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no I, sense. I like quiche. I, I actually do too. I, I used to think it was gross, and then I was like, ooh, I could I could eat bacon and eggs in a beautiful quiche crust. Quiche is one of those things that I say I hated, even though I'd never tried it, because the idea mm-hmm. of quiche, egg pie, made me want to yeah. vomit. But it then once you gross. have it, you're like, oh, this, is, this makes sense. Yeah. Well, because I would eat anything in a pie crust. Like, literally. Like, just put anything in a pie crust, I will happily eat it. You could put Skittles in a pie crust, and I'd be like, hell yeah. So Grape jelly. Grape jelly. And, uh... Yeah. uh Unexplained dog. grape jelly. You know jelly. what? Let's go ahead and transition to the podcast that we do. Yeah, well, so I have uh, a very quick... Uh, our loudest segment, which you are you oh. you are not allowed to monologue for 45 minutes. I, I have, have a very... A, you know, I wasn't planning, but I have been watching some things. Oh, Christ. Never mind. So, All right, fine. Let's do it. So, I'm going to be very I'm going to I'm going to show Mike how it's done. Here's how it's done. So, uh in the the Halloween season, always starting in September because we need some time, mm-hmm. uh Jillian and I have a tradition of rewatching the Halloween series. Ah. All the way through. All uh, I think there's eleven now, uh soon to be twelve, I think, or I don't know, ten soon to be we watch we rewatch all the Halloween movies. It's really fun. It's just one of our Halloween traditions. And uh we were we had gotten up to Halloween H two O, which is technically Halloween seven, okay. uh, which was Jamie Lee Curtis's back. We've so, we've done a soft reboot. We deleted three uh, Halloween three through six, and pretended that only one and two happens. Anyway, it's actually one of the better ones. Uh, and uh, who's in this movie? But LL Cool J, who does a comic riff on the phone with his girlfriend uh, about he wants to be a writer, and his girlfriend is making fun of him over the phone. We never see this girlfriend. Uh, but we hear her prominently. And uh, you know what I do? I always do. I go on the IMDb. And I, I read the trivia. I check out who's in the what's and this, that, the other thing. And would you believe, can you guess, who plays the voice of LL Cool J's girlfriend in 1997's, 1998's Halloween H2O? Well, it's on the breakdown, so I'm not going to fake guess. So why don't you just oh. tell us? Yeah. Folks, it's Lisa Gay Hamilton. See, I should never give Mike the rundown because then they'll ruin all the things. But Lisa Gay Hamilton does a voiceover performance in Halloween H2O. So as you're cranking up your Halloween VCRs and you pop in the classic Halloween 7, 
Take a listen out for the practice's very own Lisa K. Hamilton. To you, Mike. Uh, I'll just mention two brief things. First of all, in uh, the holiday spirit of Halloween, of the scary scaries, there's plenty of things uh, that I've seen malignant and a couple of other things. But the one I want to oh, mention saw that too. Yeah. is because it's uh, it's available to the masses currently. It's uh, a new show. It actually holds the number one spot on the Netflix streamer. Mm-hmm. It is called Squid Game. And I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it's like a horror movie meets uh, Hunger Games. It's really weird and trippy and fun. It's like it's made for binging. It's not going to win any awards, but it's a Korean show. Uh, watch it. The dub is okay, but watch it with subtitles. Always. Uh, the premise. The premise is basically like uh, they this shadowy organization takes people who are down on their luck financially and asks them the simple question: Would you like to play five days of kid games? Uh, the first episode is called Red Light, Green Light. And shit goes down. I, I don't want to give too much away, but it is. it does have a horror slant. It's binge-worthy, and uh, at least the first two episodes are worth checking out. Uh, I'm I'm in. Uh, so that's that, that. And the last, yeah, go ahead. Sounds great. No, it sounds like The Running Man. It's got some Running Man vibes. Yes. Nice. Uh, but it's cool. It, it's cool, and it's. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, and then the other thing I'll mention just... Uh, because it pertains to the podcast last night, uh, the Tony Awards had a c- complicated presentation because it was on Paramount Plus, and then it jumped over to CBS at 9 p.m. for like a concert kind of a concert deal. thing. Yeah. It was, it's not about that. But, but what I noticed, watch it for the duets at the end, actually. Uh, what I noticed was when they did the, um, the in, in, in memorial in section. Yeah. yeah um, our boy, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast when it happened. I, I guess I it somehow slipped past my, but uh, Rene Abergenois was yes. featured and, uh, you know, guest of the show, guest of the Star Trek universe on our other podcasts. He, he was not a guest on the show, but well, he was featured uh, in, on the show. In our hearts. <laughs> in our hearts. <laughs> uh, so uh, that, I don't know, it made me like extra sad when I saw it because we've touched his, uh, his we've yeah. seen his work in our little show here. Yeah, and he did a lot of uh, Broadway stuff. Um, although the only Broadway show I ever saw him in personally was, uh, you know, kind of universally the uh, best worst musical of all time. And that is uh, Dance of the Vampires, which uh, I certainly gives Carrie a run for its money uh, in terms of what the fuck just happened on stage. Uh, but he was great. So, yeah, I, I actually haven't watched it yet. It's on. It's on my queue. I was. I was watching football. I, I'm. A, I'm a bad Broadway person, uh, but I will definitely check it out on the. Uh, it was cool. It was, it was uh, on the Paramount Plus. Uh, you know, hey Paramount Plus, Hulu's available. I'm already a, uh, Hulu. Uh, the Practice is a, apparently available. Eight seasons. Uh, now, do me a favor. Whenever you transfer the Practice, uh, starting with I think season five, uh, that thing was shot and broadcast in high definition. Maybe don't give us the low def uh, feed. Because, you know, as the guy spends hours doing screenshots every damn day, most of which nobody even sees. I have this huge archive on Dropbox of screenshots screenshots from the show, of which I use about 12, but there's like 30 per episode. (laughs) I don't know. If anybody needs an archive of screenshots in the practice, I'm your guy. Okay, let us move forward uh, into everybody's favorite subject in which we hear from Phoenix entitled... The segment, 
Folks, oh, see, Twigs, I can't talk. I'm podcasting. I'm podcasting. Oh, Keith, you went, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm back in the circle. Why am You're I in back? the circle? Well, I got, I'm getting a phone call. We're in a, the circle. There's a, there's a reason why you're in the circle. I'm going to take you out of it now. Uh, it won't silence. I don't know what's happening. That's funny. That's what funny. Is, what is ringing? Oh, for Christ's sake. This is a great episode. I can see why uh, Hulu is canceling the practice. You know, is it possible that we kill... Like, Hulu itself was like, oh, God. It, maybe if we delete the show from our archive, they'll stop doing this podcast. Uh I'd say it's unlikely, but I I don't think it's impossible. It, no, I don't think it's a yeah that would uh, you know in order to be a bug on the windshield you have to be big enough to see otherwise you're not. All right, so we this is this is a cool one from from Phoenix. He wanted to talk about Jorge's contribution to last week's episode in which he did a, a tremendous amount of awesome research and we read it and Phoenix. Uh, weighs in. He says, I have to say, I'm really impressed with Jorge's research. I had guessed the part about self-defense because pieces of it were alluded to in previous episodes. But like I said, it laid out and discussed, but I liked having it laid out and discussed point by point. And the case history about making someone look guilty just for exercising their Fifth and Sixth Amendment rights was very interesting as well as very relevant to the previous episode and the one viewed in this episode. He definitely earned that 5% of his own donation. So uh, glad, uh, glad to have another person lauding the terrific work uh, that Jorge did last week. Uh, and he was messaging me wondering, hey, uh, what's going to happen with the podcast now that Hulu's dead? So, you know, I want to mention, I'm not going uh, to drop names here, uh, but what I found kind of, uh, and I mean this sincerely, I found heart uh, heartfelt was we've got, been getting some emails from listeners uh, who used to pride themselves on keeping up uh, keeping current with the podcast, which is a Herculean event. It's just so much talking just for too hours. Much. Uh, Way too much. So people writing in saying, hey, I'm catching back up. I'm getting back into it. Uh, I'm still here. And then apologizing for falling back. I want to say, folks, listen at your own pace. <laughs> do never do you owe us an apology. We're glad that you listened to one episode. Like the pilot has many, many downloads. And then it really falls off. <laughs> After that, because <laughs> wish we could go and like remaster our own because it there was some crap in the beginning. But uh, what I'm saying is, thanks for listening at any pace. Uh, do us a favor, tell a friend. Uh, you know, just recently I'm going on a trip, and I've had some people reaching out. I've been asking for some recommendations of podcasts people listen to, and uh, because I can download them, bring them with me overseas, and right. uh, you know, even podcasts that are about shows that I haven't watched and or subjects I wouldn't think I'd be into. I'm finding a lot of joy again in 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 a lot of different subject matter podcasts uh, for runs, for different things. So this is a great one on the treadmill since it takes up so much time. Are you going on a transcontinental flight? Download some out of practice podcasts, ship it off to a friend. Anyway, thanks mm -hmm. for writing in. We appreciate your feedback as always. As always. All right. Well, you know, if they wanted to send us that feedback, Mike, how would they do it? Keith, 
they look at this excellent slide that you've created in mm. stunning 4K. On the YouTubes. Yes. And you can see that you can reach us via email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on all social media platforms. And by all, I mean these two, Facebook and Instagram, <laughs> at Out of Practice Podcast. And uh, maybe one day we'll see you at a at a practice con, at some sort of TV con. Um, mm, mm. Or maybe you could see Ray Abruzzo at a uh, gelati factory and be like, hey, I heard about, I heard you uh, on the Out of Practice podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There it is. interview you did that one time. Yeah, our two social media platforms. Uh, it should not surprise you that these two 40-year-old old dudes uh, are not on TikTok. Mm-mm. We don't tick, we don't talk. That's, uh, that's, that's not a thing. Not a thing. All right. Uh, all right. Let us continue forward by going backwards in my favorite segment. Here it is. This day in the basement. We are, of course, talking about October 20th, the year 2002, uh, Sunday, October 20th. And uh, Mike, what were you up to? Keith, in this October period, it might have been closer to Halloween, if I'm not mistaken, but it was definitely around this time. I reached out to a couple of pals to see what we were up to, and I did. Uh, here's a here's a fun tidbit. I was speaking to my buddy Jay, who reminded me that this is around the time that I went to my first gay bar of all time. My first, no my first trip to a gay bar. Um, Which one? Well, gay club, I should say. Uh, gay bars have been to had been to previously, but uh, my. Friend Jason took me to a place. I don't know if it exists anymore in New York City, but it was called Splash. And oh, up uh, on Forty Second, Forty something, right in Midtown. Right? I don't think it's there anymore. I but I remember going with him, and we had a, such a man. Did we have a good time? Saw so many professors there actually from school, uh, and we just had a great time. The two things that that stand out to me the most is number one is because it was. A, predominantly men there uh there's a big huge like wall fish tank like display in the middle like towards the back but in the middle definitely not in a separate room but in the middle of like the club Mm -hmm. that was a trough it was like a a urinal basically a communal urinal but was also fish tank was kind of nice so you just kind of like pissed out in the open uh but if you wanted to use the facilities what i found really kind of interesting was the stalls were separated by like a very thin uh, piece of rubber or polyurethane of some sort, very flexible material that was backlit so you could see the shadow of the person in the stall next to you and whatever activity was happening there, be it general urination or something more. Recreational? Recreational. So it was really kind of cool and uh we had a great a great night and uh that's what i remember doing this day in the basement that's uh that is a lot more aggressive than than my first gay bar which was was always which like would be my favorite today if it were just down the street i uh, forget it's the forget the name of it but it's a famous one where they just a whole bunch of old people sit around a piano and sing show tunes mm. that was well. much more that's much more my speed like yeah. let's work through the songbook of Oklahoma around a piano. That's that was like I'm with you a hundred percent. So there's one you know I I always enjoyed. It was like a much more sort of like <clears throat> gentlemanly uh, uh, piano bar. What was it called the living room? The I can't remember. Regardless, uh, but anyway, that was what were you doing, Keith? Oh well, it was uh, kind of the opposite. 
of that, I was going to my first uh, hockey game at Madison Square Garden. Hey, MSG. Uh, which was uh, which was really fun. I didn't know I'd gone. I went that early. Uh, my uh, my good friend Kinzer uh, got tickets. I think through some school thingy and uh, went to see the Rangers versus the Capitals. Which I, you know I'm a Bruins fan, but I was really excited to just see a see a game um, at MSG. And of course, it was long before it was renovated, so it was kind of a shithole, and the teams were bad. But I had such a good time, and. Uh, the captain of the Washington Capitals at the time was, of course, NHL legend Yarimer Yager with his even more legendary mullet. Wow. And uh, Yager is a, uh, speaking of sort of legendary folks, he was an NHL player who uh, began playing in, uh, I believe, 1991. Uh, let me, let me, let me look it up because I think it's, it's actually interesting. Uh, yeah, 1990, he began playing in the NHL. This dude, so that was 31 years ago. He is currently still playing professional hockey. He played in the NHL up until the, I think two seasons ago. Uh, played one season with the Bruins, but finished out two seasons ago, I believe, in Calgary, and went back to play uh, in the Czech Republic on the team that he owns. Wow! And is still playing professional hockey, and uh, you know, led the NHL in many uh, various things. But most importantly, with his mullet. So wow, that, that was is really fun. Impressive. I'm considering. I, I might go to a game tomorrow night because there's a Bruins preseason game at MSG. And uh, tickets are like $10 because it's preseason. Who cares? So are you ready for a weird, not weird, wrong word, a Hall of Shame moment for Mike Indeglio? Always. I have never attended, not just a professional, but any organized hockey game, ice hockey. That is shameful. Because, you know, and I know this is, our audience is not the audience to be like talking a lot of hockey to, but uh, there is no sport in the world better live than hockey. I don't, dis I don't doubt it. I just never really had the opportunity. My friend, my friends aren't hockey fans. It just never really came up. Right. Well, all right. Well, one of these days we're gonna have to go to a game and you're gonna have to see it live. I want to be it. like for for five years. I worked in Madison Square Garden. What did you do at MSG? Uh, Schoology's office was in MSG for five years. No kidding. Yep. Well, that's tremendously shameful, and we're gonna have to fix that <laughs> at some at some point. You know, of all of the things you've said on the podcast. Eh, that might that's be the worst. The one. Yeah, that's, that's the, one. the one. That is that's is a bridge too far. Uh, but you know what's not too far? A bridge to the world of October twentieth, two thousand two, in a segment we call. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest Ooh. hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, concert. essential sports updates, <laughs> and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Try that again. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's good now. Okay, of course, October 20th, the year 2002, we were listening once again to Dilemma with Nelly and Kelly Rowland. The local Burlington Free Press talked about candidates tangling in latest debate. Now this in Vermont 
2002, you're like, that wasn't, it was a midterm elections. And uh, the, but it was a gubernatorial election in Vermont. And this was the first one that Howard Dean did not run. And this was the post the Dean scream, which looks pretty ridiculous Woo! back then. Woo! And uh, so uh, Jim Douglas, a Republican, won in Vermont. Vermont, one of those liberal states in the entire country, frequently has a Republican governor. In fact, we have one now, although a Vermont Republican is not the same thing as a Republican uh, nationwide. So our uh, Republican governor now has actually been really, really good on COVID and a bunch of things. So, uh, so be it. Uh, no, and when you get credit when credit is due, buddy. No, oh, if you do a good job, like I absolutely. Uh, my uh, my, I I'm not following it as closely because I don't I don't live in Vermont anymore. But my parents, uh, the could not be more liberal, uh, are like, this guy's doing a good job. And, you know, uh, I will, it. I'll quickly say to that point, and we, this is not a political podcast. We've actually had comments from, we had guests before being like, hey, you guys are very liberal. Do you still want me to listen to your podcast? Yeah, we do. It's not really we'd, about we'd that. We had one person, and I don't think he's listening anymore. Well, my point is that it's, I don't care what your politics are. Um, it, we're watching the practice. But I will say that I always find it interesting that our our two our two parties are so diet diametrically opposed most of the time and blah, 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 blah. but when you have a, uh, a a Republican governor or representative in a uh, blue state or vice versa you'll find that these big tent pole issues uh, aren't as uh, uh, lying in the sand as you think right they kind of just oh I'm in a red state so I guess I I'm pro-life uh I, I'm in a blue state, so I guess I'm uh, going to be good on the vac pro vaccine. You know, it's 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 always interesting to those things. The people's idea people's ideals are, uh, are yeah. flexible in the political and I, realm. You know, you, so folks, what you're seeing on my face now is me deciding not to go on a 20 minute political rant. So you're welcome. Mm -hmm. yeah, that restraint <laughs> is 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 uh, respectable, considering that none of our politicians show such restraint. Yes, yes. Well, I'm, you know, I, I, I can't help it. I'll probably just give it to my cat, to Charlie, after this is done. Uh, mm -hmm. But we should talk about, before we move on from this day in the world, do you, want, do you know who the number one movie was this week? It was one of my all-time favorites, The Ring. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, and you're doing it live. Well yeah. done. I, uh, oh, I, good God almighty. Even watching it scene, little tiny like that scared the bejesus out of me when I saw it the first time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to save it for a basement, but I saw this in the theaters um, in Brooklyn at like 1030 at night. And, uh, you know, a little guy from Vermont, uh, not used to a Brooklyn 10 p.m. Yes. Was, was not ready for a, uh, a 1030 on a Saturday Brooklyn audience at a movie theater. And uh, so at the end of the ring, there's 300 people screaming bloody murder as this is happening. And it was one of the most exhilarating movie experiences I've ever had and made me a giant fan of the movie forever. Yeah. It, to those listeners who may be of, uh, of, of a more uh, of a younger age, I should say, what you can't really appreciate as much is that. After seeing The Ring, watching a VHS tape, 
with the snow in the beginning or, right. or watching a scary movie and the phone rings. There used to be phones in your house that would ring. Yeah, uh, yeah. Took on a whole new meeting. I mean, it was really nuts. And we had the stu stupid, 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 stupid idea after seeing the ring to go back and rent the original ring, which I think was... Uh, uh, Korean, I believe. Korean, Ringu. I believe, yes. Which, you think the ring is freaky? Holy shit. It's a whole nother level of, like, disturbing. So, uh, as I mentioned before, the Koreans really know how to uh, to mess up your brain with scary, with the scary, scary. So, uh, yeah, man, The Ring was one of those scary movies I'll, I'll never forget. It was... I it mean... Still, it still freaks me out watching it on this thing. That, with that scene, woo I loved it. I and And just, like, to hear... You know, because the audience was super engaged, and uh, and then you know when she came out, just literally, it was like deafening screams in the theater. Which normally, like, I'm like, I don't, you know, don't make noise during the movie afterward. But in this case, it was just like, Aah! just like everybody was so yeah, into it's it. One it was of amazing. those. It's one of those. As much as I love not going to the movies, like having the ability to just be in my own home with nobody talking, and there is something about the shared theatrical experience that is highlighted in an experience like like watching that. This does a, that kind of release. Yeah. And and, and it, what ended up being good and sort of unexpected uh because I think everybody went there like, "Ah, oh, this might be terrible, who cares, whatever." And then to have it turn out to be awesome and then to have that twist. Anyway, blah blah blah. The Ring. It's good. Check it out. It's Halloween. And eh, watch The Ring. All right, but you want to know what else is awesome? It's the greatest segment in out of practice podcast history. And titled It's time. It's time, time. It's time for sports. Week 7 of the 2002 NFL season featured the New York Giants on a bye. But Philly took down John Gruden's Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20 to 10 behind McNabb's 127 yards passing. Brad Johnson only had 124. They didn't throw much then. Deuce Staley had 152 yards and 24 carries. Meanwhile, fantasy monster Marshall Falk had 183 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Wow. Yeah, remember Marshall Falk back in fan? Like, he was so much better than everybody else in the fantasy world. Just give you the first pick, you win. That was just what happened. And just to think, 20 years later, what a difference uh, for Tampa Bay and what a difference for John Gruden. Definitely. Uh, yeah, Gruden's still changed. there. Still there. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's hey, pretty. Yo, those Raiders look pretty good. They do. And, you know, uh, friend of the show, Tom Brady, was playing back then. Yes, That's the crazy part. He was the starting quarterback at this era. It was not. Was I got to say, Tom. Keith and I have come a long way in in our respect for you, but uh, it was have nice we? to see. You, it was nice to get you see you get your ass handed to you a little bit yesterday. Oh yeah, oh, no, that's it's great. He's a terrible person. All right, <laughs> let's. <laughs> okay, folks. I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time. <laughs> and I'm it's not editing that out. <laughs> okay, this episode is season seven, episode Ugh. four. The Cradle Will Rock. Uh, I did that musical in college. Very uh, old school, one of the very first story based musicals. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The writer of this movie was our good friend, David E. Kelly, with the story and teleplay, and uh, helped out. 
on the story by John Tinker, who last wrote M. Premi Unplugged. This is also his last episode of The Practice. So uh, goodbye, John Tinker. He only comes on to write baby episodes, apparently. He re- it, it's all about babies. That's his, that's like his whole thing. It's like, I'm a great writer. I only talk about babies. That's all I care about. That's all I'm going to write about. Uh, I tried to sell a pilot about babies where babies did baby things, but uh, it didn't get picked up. So I'm just going to write babies about everything. And directed by uh, veteran director Jeannot Soir, who last hey! directed this Puds for You. Which Can you do some more of that, that baby guy impression? That would be really great. <laughs> I would have written on this puds for you, but it wasn't about babies. So, like, I'm not touching it. I'm I not... pitched an episode about baby puds, and I got the hard no. And it's hard to get a no from that writer's room. <laughs> they generally go with just about anything you throw their way. <laughs> I mean, I, I, my, my heyday, when everyone in the cast was pregnant... It was amazing. There was baby drama here, baby drama there. Is it gonna kidnapping it's, it's, here, kidnapping there? Yeah, you know, dead and baby they, at church. The dead babies. We got kidnapped babies that grew up until they're adults, but they're really just babies in my head. They're just they're just really old, hairy babies. <laughs> I didn't expect him to really do it, but we did it. We went. <laughs> Now we wonder why Hulu just quit. Hulu just closed their whole service. <laughs> just closed operation. They shut it down. Somebody oh, with shit. a big lever just pulling it. <laughs> okay. Well, huh. let, let us please, for the love of God, move forward into uh, one of my favorites. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? Babies. What? <laughs> what does my thing's gonna happen? That's what happens. Babies happen. That's why we're friends. Because I then that makes me laugh. <laughs> Many people would groan and roll their eyes, but no, I I, I get a sheer giggle out of it, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the title of the episode didn't give it away, then the writer of the episode surely gave it away. Uh, this one's about babies. All right, yeah. but we gotta jump. We gotta be sharky about it. So here's what I'm thinking: um, there's got to be some fallout from last week. So I think we're gonna deal with some things about Lindsay. She's gonna be sad and stuff like that. Um, but that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the case, which I don't think Lindsay's gonna be a, a part of because I feel like she's got some like healing to do. Mm-hmm. Even though in in better podcast, it was her conviction was thrown out with prejudice, which means that she should face no legal. She she. Sh- the bar doesn't can't like revoke her law license because she didn't do anything wrong. She's been convicted of nothing at this point, so she can still practice law. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's that's true. Uh, however, it is even though it was thrown out with prejudice, it is not an exoneration. What it means is that the case had to be thrown out on a technicality. So, okay. uh, I I think from the standpoint of her law license, she's fine. But Unless she, there's a no murder clause, of course. Well, but she wasn't convicted of murder, but she also wasn't exonerated. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you know, you would think she'd take some time off, but then again, she did get blowed up and stabbed once and was at work the next day. So who knows? To be honest, she could be on the case. Yeah. But here's the thing, Keith. On the other hand, you know who else has to face some fallout? DA. The DA Walsh. Mm. Right? You know, he's got he's pissed. All right. He is pissed. So my guess is that there be a dead baby somewhere, okay? There's a dead baby, all right, 
And whoever deaded this baby is being defended by, guess who? Us. We are defending the killers of a dead baby, all right? Because I'm sure they're gonna say, it was an accident, all right? I didn't mean to mm. kill the baby. The baby just was dead, and I was like, uh-oh, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because that's generally the position we find ourselves in. Uh, we enjoy, as much as our writer enjoys writing about dead babies, we like defending the debtors of babies, all right? Uh, and here's what's gonna happen. Um, D.A. Walsh is going uh, balls to the wall, all right? He is going to get these killers uh, by any means necessary. So he is going to plant all kinds of evidence uh, to, 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 to just shark. He's gonna chum the water so that the sharks come and shut down. He's gonna paint uh, Bobby Donald, Lewis, Frutt, and uh, Meyer and Meyer and Associates He's Serino and Barnes. Kalino and Barnes. J.G. Wentworth. 8776. Now he's going to shut this shit down. Dead babies, sharks in the water, chum it up. I don't even know what I'm talking about at this moment. <laughs> I'm just blathering. So we should get to the episode, if you don't mind, Keith. Yes. Well, uh, if you would enjoy listening to us uh, listen to this episode, hop over to your podcasting service of choice, and we will see you back here for the after show show. Now with babies. You want to know what goes in a cradle? Babies! Am I wrong? Always. Tell me if I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I certainly don't want to force their hand, but let's go. Sorry to keep you... Listen, for many reasons, we feel, and we feel strongly, we should plead guilty to manslaughter. What? Roland, they have a strong case. Our They're defense, our entire defense mm -hmm. is predicated on religious Lindsay, freedom, uh, which... Plead as well. At this moment in time has become one of our less precious civil liberties. If you read the newspapers, you... We don't. Well, if you would you get a pretty good gauge on the public's reaction. We don't care what the public thinks. To the extent it reflects the attitude of your peers, you need to care. Twelve members of the public will be sitting in that jury box. The layperson is outraged that you didn't take your son to a hospital. John Q has no use for Christian science other than to train his dog with your newspaper. Roland, you picked a bad time to let somebody die in the name of a god. Okay. And it is our united view. Uh, people, let their kids die in the name of God. Yeah, what Mike said. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, so this couple of Christian scientists are played by Michael Gaston as Roland Hubert, who, uh, if you see him, you'd seen him in a million different things. He was in Jericho. He's played five separate characters on Law & Order, also from Unforgettable Damages, The Leftovers, The Man in High Castle, mm. and his wife, uh, pregnant wife, who you can't tell just by listening, but there's a baby in there. It's Erica Schickel from uh, The Toxic Avenger Part 2, Kangaroo Man, and The Runestone. That if we push this to trial, baby guys basically both Trump. of you could go to prison for life. Yeah, I, I, we picked up on that. You're both decent people. We don't question you. We know you did what you believed would save Peter. But you will lose at trial. 
We need to take the deal. Okay. Guys, I got it. I have a brand new, fresh idea we've never tackled on the practice before. Y'all ready for it? Okay. We have a client whose religious beliefs mm-hmm. preclude them from doing the blatantly right thing medically for their offspring. Never touched it before, right? Oh, We're ready. Uh, well, uh, uh, not to get too technical, but uh, didn't uh, did, didn't Rebecca's mom say don't give her the blood transfusion for you know the same reason? Yeah, but yeah, but that wasn't a religious thing, right? Jehovah's Witness isn't isn't a wit isn't a religious thing, is it? Oh, oh, actually, it uh, yeah, it is. It very much is. Oh, okay, but yeah, but this one is like babies, right? So it's great. All right, <laughs> greenlit. I guess Sold. season seven isn't the season of sexy sharks. It's the season of just like, let's just rewrite that episode and do it again. Uh, you're trying to set me up to find it. Hold on. You know what? Mute, mute the theme song. We'll do the new theme song. Reuse, reuse, recycle. Recycle. Reuse, reuse, recycle. With babies. Reuse, reuse, recycle. Do it again. Reuse, reuse, <laughs> We did this! Throw it away! Don't! Is it kind of a nice mashup? It kind of works. Somebody just threw their phone into a river. <laughs> Recycle that phone! Don't throw it away! You could just delete this punch! You can just delete us. You don't need to throw your phone away. The Unsubscribe. Not going to be happy with the Do it today. Pound of flesh time. You think the public's going to be disappointed? Try Helen. She's been biting the furniture getting ready for this one. Oh, and Lindsay just walks in. Lindsay is at work. Hello. Record scratch. Hi. Hey. I thought you were... Oh, I go away for 20 to life and you let some blonde take my desk? Yup. We're coming back. So soon. Well, hi. Hi, Jamie Stringer. Big fan. I'm a big fan of yours. I'm so totally at <laughs> your desk. They write themselves, Keith. Congratulations on being cleared. It was so overdue. Actually, I, I wasn't cleared. I got out on a technicality, but thank you. I am so totally at your desk. Oh, shit. Murderer. Or is it because of babies? What the? <laughs> it might have been a baby who threw it. Pat, that door has right? taken a beating. If you beating. want something, go around. Who the hell's Pat? Houston. Pat! Houston. You kids, get off my lawn! Okay, well, the uh, the guy who apparently has an office right next to ours the whole time, but we've never seen him before. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, holy shit, this sh- keeps getting better. <laughs> Who just threw a, ro- so- threw a rock or something through the d- door of our office, which is only, what, the third time we've broken it? It's Art Frankel, who last worked in 2016 on Veep, if you'd believe it. 
He was also in Saving Grace, My Name is Earl, underrated classic, mm -hmm. Critters, and Death Wish 4. First of all, what's going on? Are you leaving? I'm done. Retiring. You're retiring? I can't make the rent. I'm being evicted. Did you I've been throw cut this? out of every episode in the yeah, series. Yeah, came through our window. Been here the whole time. Must have overshot the box. Overshot it? It sailed halfway into our office. Sorry. They all had to come over? So, all right, let's, let's just talk through the layout of the office here, because... Does yeah? Let me. I gotta. We gotta look at this there, while we describe. There was a. It looks like it wasn't the front door leading to the hallway. It was another door in their office that leads to a separate guy's law office that's not related to them. But yeah. So like you know when you're on tour with a musical or you're on vacation and you can't really spring for the nice hotel, so you get that like ramada in uh -huh, that like uh -huh. it it has a conjoining door between two rooms that used to be a double i guess that now is a single and you just like hope that the lock works and that a stranger doesn't like waltz into your room yeah uh, exactly that it's, what's it's, it's for that. families it's it, no the, the door makes sense in the hotels because it's for families like yes, you have yes, the kids yes, in let me finish what i'm adults, saying but, let me yeah, finish yeah, what yeah, i'm yeah. saying do you know what those doors don't have keith mm. a very old glass window that's true. A very breakable old glass window. And also, uh, I'm pretty sure that door was never there before. It's a, a, it, it, it's a, a secret and door. B, in an event that it was there, if I go to my lawyer's office and I'm expecting some sort of client, uh, attorney, privilege, confidentiality, and I was talking about, you know, maybe, I don't know, shooting the blue about, you know, killing my baby and or even better, you know, uh, kidnapping some person that I don't want anybody to know about it. I probably would ask the question, hey, who's that old guy behind the window right there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And didn't oh, that used to be your Earl. conference room? Yeah. That's just Earl. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't or worry Pat, about it. right? Pat. It's Pat. Yeah, sure. It's Pat. Oh, speaking of uh, bad decisions from the 90s. And the plea of manslaughter is acceptable to the Commonwealth? Oh, man. Yes, Your Holy Honor. Crap. With a joint recommendation for a six-year sentence starting Colin immediately Taylor is upon back. the entering of the verdicts. Mr. and Mrs. Hubert, please rise. Apparently she's Mr. Got a Hubert, show, do you understand and that you are pleading guilty to the charge of voluntary manslaughter? Yes, Your Honor. And by doing so, you are acknowledging guilt and criminal responsibility for the death of your son. Well, he didn't know that part. I mean, they couldn't possibly Mr. have Mr. Hubert, I asked you a question. Do you acknowledge your guilt and responsibility in the you death of your son. acknowledge my sweet new haircut? God took my son, Your Honor. We did everything we could to save him. If that's how you, you feel, pissed. why, sir, are you pleading guilty? Because counsel has advised us to. Mrs. Hubert, do you also maintain your innocence? Yes, Your Honor. The plea bargain is rejected. Well, I'm so glad we had that meeting, guys. Glad we went. We had that entire meeting where we said all you had to do was say yes. No, nah, but the, you know the whole thing is based begin on tomorrow convictions. Tomorrow morning, nine a.m. We are adjourned. Chambers, Your Honor. Do you dare? Chambers. Do you dare? Are you okay? Oh, <sighs> she having another baby. Keith. I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm just having Chekhov's contractions. 
A client can choose Zing. to plead guilty even while maintaining innocence. Not with me, he can't. Oh, come on. 90% of all pleas are based on an analysis of winning percentages. They have nothing to do with actual merits. I don't accept guilty pleas from people claiming innocence. To do so would be a farce. Our clients have a right to negotiate down from a murder to conviction. Every defendant has that right. Eugene, I realize that 9 out of 10 judges would go along, but I don't. If somebody says they're innocent, I don't let them come stand in my courtroom and declare guilt for the purpose of improving disposition. It's a mockery. The trial starts tomorrow. I don't doubt that. I mean, try to get over your I'd disappointment. I like her convictions there. Of course you're happy. Plea bargains suck. It's like What's a tie up, game. Nobody wins. The Japanese, they don't believe in compromise. No such thing as win-win for the Japs. There can be oh, no victory wow. unless okay. the other guy loses. You know, that sounds racist. Oh, come on. Isn't sounds that some hypocrisy? Racist? It's okay to... Guys, we've done our best over the past five episodes to make an arc that uh, D.A. Walsh is, like, pretty a pretty bad guy. But, like, I feel like we're not quite there yet. I mean, we need one last thing. What can we do? Where can we possibly go to really just, like... I don't know. I'm I'm at a loss. That's you know, you know, the feeling was too ambiguous before when he was like spouting nonsense while how, drunk how about and crying in front of the cameras. Racial slurs. What do we think? Too subtle? Great, great. I don't know. Call That's Jewish pretty good. Let's Japs, just try it and see if we can escalate from Japs, there. Japs. Well, it's not okay to refer to Jewish women as Japs, and I'm Jesus becoming Christ. increasingly concerned about you. Is that why you're here? To tell me that you're worried? Well, Seems like actually, it. no. I'm worried about Mrs. Hubert's unborn child. She had a contraction in the courtroom today. She's almost eight months. Her first child was born a month early. There were complications. They didn't go to the hospital. Little boy almost died of asphyxiation. You know this how? Well, I learned it during my investigation. Is there a way we can protect this fetus? We have no jurisdiction over an unborn. Somebody say diabetes? What about social services? Uh, they don't have diabetes. It's been tried. You can thank your women's rights groups for that. We've prosecuted women for killing their unborn fetuses, <laughs> so can't we make the argument if a fetus is a person for the purpose of charging murder? It won't fly. I need you to think of something. That baby could be in danger. Try section 12. You put a hold on the mother on psychiatric grounds. You put an end around the Constitution. The courts are much more predisposed to say yes there, especially if you have the right judge. I'll do it. What do you mean you'll do it? I mean, I'll do it. It's a bit of a sell. It'll mean more if the divisional chief himself appears in court. I don't think that's a good idea. Why? Well, I You're think you might be racist? leaping at the chance to take on this firm again. After losing Lindsay Dole... Nonsense. I'm driven by the merits of the case. Mm -hmm. It's time we start protecting the unborn children. Bullshit. This is a person. Eight months. It's viable. It's a life. And to say it doesn't have any vested rights because it hasn't been delivered, all the while the delivery... It needs to be made forcefully and publicly. I'll do it. Keith, at least we've gotten this type of issue resolved here in the year 2021.
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, but you know, but this is an interesting one because it's kind of the the flip side mm. of of the whole thing. And and this is one where like, you know what? No, I think I'm on Helen's side at this point. And it becomes, I don't know. It it it's interesting. I like I like the sort of turnabout here. Even though he's like Clearly become this a monster. This is not a stunt. Come on, Helen, you take her into custody. How does that not prejudice the jury? The jury is sequestered, butt nuts. They won't have to know. Mr. Walsh. Butt nuts. Butt nuts? Call me butt nuts. Butt nuts. Look, we have a viable baby and potential. You know, bombs away to the writing staff, though, on this show, because they, even in the most unlikely and unnecessary and probably un uh, uh, unrecommended portions of the episodes they always are like going for that comedic nugget so we're gonna give it its due deference and 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 listen again hey you want to know the law is clear what all babies have the jury is and half of babies have to know but nuts hold on we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let them tell the joke uh, as much as keith wants to button up baby it himself this is not a stunt. Come on, Helen, you take her into custody. How does that not prejudice the jury? The jury is sequestered, butt nuts. They won't have to know. <laughs> Mr. Walsh. Did he call me butt nuts? Look, we have a viable <laughs> baby in potential danger. The law is clear. They cannot assert their religious rights. Where's the danger? Premature delivery like her last child who almost died from having an umbilical cord. That hardly gives you ground. These wackos won't go to doctors. Mr. Walsh, that is quite enough. Your Honor, dap, dap, it makes dap. the most sense to simply delay the criminal trial until after she gives birth. That way... It makes no sense to do that, given there's no basis to take Wendy Hubert into custody. Section 12, Chapter 123. Read the law. Are you against that on principle? You're going to lecture me on rules? Both of you, shut up. There will be no further delay of this trial. We start this morning. Mr. Walsh, if you think you can make a Section 12 showing, you're going to have to take it before another judge. I want the proceedings sealed. If you get your order, come back to me and I'll figure out a way to impose it without prejudicing the trial. Do any public yapping and I will declare a mistrial and hold you in contempt. But it would nuts. be a mistake to regard that as judicial bluster. This is ridiculous. Eugene, a child's life is in danger. I love how the entire series, all of the judges have just been reduced now down to I I'm too old for this shit type of <laughs> portrayals. Child's not in danger, Helen. This has nothing to. Yeah, it has. It is a lot of bullshit they've been putting up. I mean, we're all feeling that way at this point. Yeah. What are you, that, a doctor child. now? I've heard enough. Into court. Let's go. You absolutely need a third butt nuts reference, though, because haven't has anyone talked about the law of threes in comedy here? We need one more butt nut to really wrap that scene up, and it should have been uh, Kittleson. Definitely. All right, I'm on my way. Walsh is going to a separate court to get Wendy held in a section 12. What? How? It's a ploy to get her in custody until the baby's born. Jamie, I need some research. You're coming with me. Excellent. Bring your computer. Make sure it's charged. We'll get on Westlaw in the cab. Right. Bring your 54-pound laptop. Start with section 12, chapter right. 123, emergency restraint of dangerous persons. Lindsay, what are you doing? Just She's sitting. sitting outside. I got good at it in prison. Is everything okay? Fine. I'm fine. Oh, okay. I believe that's believable. Okay. Oh, definitely. Seems great. Come on. There's a huge adjustment to being on the outside again. She's been in jail a month, Jamie. 
I'm just saying. Get on the Okay, they had that whole conversation six feet from Lindsay. Directly in front of Lindsay. Shooter. Yeah. Right. Okay, now Lindsay clearly. What is she doing, Keith? Oh shit. She just Keith. walked into the empty office, which apparently is secretly adjoining our old office. She's about to start her own practice, isn't she? I don't know, or did I just invent the television show? Oh? She's sitting. She just sat her butt nuts down on the floor. She did say she wanted to go into like civil law, right? Like doing corporations and stuff. She did. It's a whole montage, but it's the same shot in all of the montage cuts. It's just her sitting in this room. Just crossfading the same shot over and over. It's kind of what we do. The official yeah, cause good, of good death point. was adult respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS for sure. We short. know this guy. Stop this was a child, right the there. Diagnosed- I smell it. Guy on the stand, look out. I smell a bumper. Guys, it's Mark L. Taylor here uh, testifying. Uh, and everyone's thinking, oh, I've heard that name before. I'm so excited to hear uh, the best bumper. But guess what? This is his third character on the show. He was Judge McDonald in the case of Harlan Bassett. And if you remember way back in season two, he was the cross-eyed psychiatrist in first degree. And you know what happens when you have three characters? You get this one. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But after a Super Bowl guest star, you've come charging back for more. Charging back so for welcome more. back to the practice. We'll pretend that we don't recognize that you were here before in season four. And you massachute the scenery. First you were a judge who was a now you are a teacher who's a bit of a dick In silence of the lands you were a bit of a dick In real life I'm sure that you're a really nice guy Welcome back to the practice tonight This is the same. It was brought on by the hantavirus. Doctor, could you explain this hantavirus to the jury? Basically, it's a virus found in rodents, which, when exposed to humans, can attack the lungs. How are humans exposed? Most of the time, through the saliva, urine, or feces of the rodent. If Peter touched a dead mouse or a dead rat, that could have done it. Or he could have simply inhaled dust that contained dried rodent urine or feces. We don't know exactly how he was exposed. But you're sure he was? Absolutely. The autopsy concluded that was the cause of death. (laughs) It sure does. Doctor, would he have had any symptoms? Acute. They would have started flu-like. Fever, coughing, headaches, then progressively gotten worse. Muscle oh, aches, breathing problems, lungs filling with fluid. Uh, ugh. So those symptoms sound a lot uh, too familiar for my liking. Yeah, you feeling like you probably want to go clean your kitchen? I'm feeling like I want to get the vaccine. You just described COVID-19 in... Stunning detail. He sure did. Yeah. This boy. You oh, already the, have your vaccine. I can't wait for my booster. Stress. 
Wait, did you get? Are you Pfizer? I'm Pfizer. Yeah. Oh, I'm Moderna, man. I don't, I'm not qualified for the booster yet. Well, I don't get a booster because it's still just 65 and up. I'm almost there. Not quite, but soon. <laughs> and died a very painful death. Objection. Actual speculation. age or fitness age? Sustained. <laughs> Doctor, ah! is there medical treatment that could have saved Peter? Oxygen therapy, antiviral drugs, fluids. If he'd been taken to a doctor immediately, Horse he wouldn't be dead. Objection. <laughs> In my opinion. Bleach, injecting I'll bleach. I'll allow it. Thank you. That's all. Eating a light bulb, maybe? So, medical care could have saved this boy's life. You can state that to a medical certainty? Probability. Probability. How probable, doctor? I can state it to a substantial likelihood. Really? You must be quite a doctor. Do you mean if Peter Hubert had come to you personally? This is badgering. I apologize. How many diagnosed cases have there been of the hantavirus in the last 10 years, doctor? Since 1993, we've had 326 diagnosed. Of those cases, how many have died? 122. 122. Of those 122 cases, how many have sought medical help? Most. Most. And yet 122 people have died. Doctor, isn't it possible Peter Hubert also might have died even if he had gotten medical attention? Possible, but with early... Thank you, doctor. You answered my question. They really need to there is ample that authority for the Commonwealth to hold a pregnant mother. It's I didn't wrinkly. ask you for authority. I said, tell me why she's a nutcase. I would submit, Holy Your Honor, crap. any woman Judge who exposes Swackheim her child back. to danger, potentially... With a stunning lack of cigarettes. A ...fatal danger, no, 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 that, the benign assessment... No, that was a guy, a uh, different judge. This is Paul Dooley as the uh, wacky judge. Dooley noted. It would be nutcase. No, he's saying there is a presumption of psychiatric infirmity for any Christian scientist. I am not saying that. You most certainly are. Don't be putting statements into my mouth. I certainly am capable of spewing my own nonsense. Your Honor, this woman is currently on trial for murder. I don't think it's presumptive of me to have doubts. Yes, it is, counsel. She hasn't been convicted. The presumption, then, is a one of innocence. Remember that one? That would be her constitutional right. I am before you today on the rights of the child. There is no burden on the court when weighing the best interest of the child to constitutionally safeguard the mother. Are we supposed to let this baby die and then say, hey, but at least we didn't trample the civil liberties of mommy dearest? That's crap, and I'll say so. Nobody is saying forget about the child. We are just asking, how is it in danger? By being in the womb of a woman who won't get medical help. Her last delivery almost resulted in death. He survived only to die three years later from the fumes of a dead rat, which this mother didn't do a damn thing about. She has a history of complications at birth. She's having contractions. She has a history of doing nothing when her kids are facing life-threatening dangers. Type, 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 type. Swatcom is annoyed at Jamie. Apparently... Writing a novel while we're doing this? This episode of the Out of Practice Podcast brought to you by Compaq. Compaq, Compaq Laptops. It's I hope a, you did your workout today. It's about as big as a car engine and works for 25 minutes before it dies. You guys, but it's clever because there's a cue at the end. Could you come with me a second? Mm. What's funny is the attempt at product placement with that Compaq Laptop, but... The, the definition is such, the resolution is such that you can't barely make it out. 
Well, and also, like, what do we learn from that? Your laptop is annoying. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, like, yeah, she, okay, that was distracting, but isn't she doing what you asked her to do? I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure where we're going with Jamie. Well, they were annoying the judge, because he's old school. All right. Oh, Jimmy and Rebecca, welcome to the episode. Lindsay's moved a table into What's the going office. On? Oh, I just got this table out of storage. I just thought I'd sit here while I get used to being back. I'm kind of enjoying the quiet. Oh. Okay. So is what we're taking from this that Lindsay's gone batshit? That's the implication, at he least. He looked terrible. He would get dizzy. Certainly. He would vomit. Acting oddly. He had excruciating headaches. How often did you have occasion Was to see Stacey Peter Travis? Here? At first, I saw him a lot. I was an invited guest. Wendy and I were good friends. Your next-door neighbors? Yes. But the more I implored her to take the child to the hospital, the more estranged we became, to the point where I wasn't invited. At what point during his illness did this estrangement take place? It was building. But when I called the ambulance myself, that was pretty much it. I wasn't invited into the house anymore. You called an ambulance? Yes. I couldn't take it. He looked like he was going to die. Did an ambulance come? Yes. And they sent him away saying that it was a false alarm. And about two weeks after that, Peter did die. During the course of Peter's illness, did you witness Yikes. his parents doing anything about it? They would pray. Lots and lots of praying. Just the two of them? No, sometimes people would come over, group prayings. And during the illness, did it ever appear Peter's condition was improving? A couple of times, the symptoms seemed to subside, but then they would return. So they prayed, and things at Fam. least temporarily got better. That happened, what, once or twice? Well, I don't think they really did get better. It just seemed so. Yes. You were good friends with Wendy Hubert? Yes. Was she a loving mother? I thought so, yes. At any time? Did you ever question her love for Peter? No. Did you ever have occasion to question Roland's love for his son? No. As you observed them praying and praying and praying for their son's recovery, you regarded these prayers as heartfelt? Of course. After Peter's passing, did you ever have occasion to meet with the Huberts? Yes, I went to them with my sympathy. So you had an opportunity to observe their reaction to Peter's death? I saw them after, like I said. How would you describe their reaction to Peter's death? They were devastated. What parent wouldn't be? Thank you, Miss Aston. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic that I'm nervous to talk about. <laughs> Truth is, I never figured he gave any thought at all to his rulings. I thought he just flipped a coin, the lazy hack. Why did you come after me with all the personal attacks in the Dole case, Eleanor? I, I want to know. They, get it, they, they got a monologue. Part of it was strategy. Right Part of it was your antics truly offended me. Don't you regard your behavior toward me as slightly vicious? Maybe. I went to see a shrink. You know what he told me? He's I could be awesome. sexually frustrated. Why is it shrinks are all Freudian, sex-obsessed, depraved perverts? They think everything is sex. It's not really true. How often you get laid? 
This is a David e. Kelly episode. Can't be too often. It sure, you, it on sure the other hand, you probably rent rooms by the hour. Little tramps coming out of law school these days. Look at you. Cherubic little sperm magnet. What the fuck? Did you just call me Cherubic, Jamie? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> he had a fever. That was but pretty he'd funny. But had fevers in the past. Totally inappropriate, but Our but course of funny. treatment had always been prayer, cold compacts. And these treatments had proved to be successful in the past. Cherubic little sperm magnet. Yeah, yeah. What Oof. do you think the network had to say about that? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how I would write that note. Yeah, like, I feel like somebody had to defend that and go to bat for it. They were like, yeah, but we used a racial slur earlier, so they were just showing a, a consistent effort on his part to uh, be a dick. Yeah. When you say many, five, six, over his three years, you also had strep before, conjunctivitis, many illnesses, which we treated successfully with prayer. Ooh. We thought we would be successful here. But Mr. Hubert, when Peter started having trouble breathing... We responded with more intensive treatment. Which was? Prayer. Th so, what I think, and, and like you said, Keith, this is, this is like teeter-totter territory. Um, but what I think it's interesting here at... We'll just leave it here. What I think is interesting is that this testimony, thus far at least, he is entering uh, into evidence... Uh, prayer as official treatment. You see what he's doing there? Like he is, he's right. breaking yep. it down to, he's like, for this illness, we use prayer. For this illness, we use prayer successfully, right? So, I mean, obviously you can cross-examine that it wasn't the prayer that made him get better, but it's, in, it's an interesting tactic. This I mean, is that's our faith, the, Mr. Donald. I understand, they try but Mr. To Hubert, a lot of people are wondering how a father could just let his son die. I didn't just let him die. My wife and I did everything we could to help him heal. We did what we believed would help him get better. We did not sit idly. We did not let my son die. Why not pray in the waiting room while a doctor treated your son? Because taking him for medical treatment would not, in our view, heal him, and we wanted him to recover. I'm asking hard questions, sir, because this jury would like to know how any loving father could just turn his back on medical assistance, which has been proven to work. Every one of us draws the line somewhere. Most people think artificial life-saving devices go too far and they execute living wills to prohibit them. That was an interesting shot there. 60 years ago, people considered transplanting organs to be ungodly and perverse. Now the line has moved. People are okay with it today. Today, stem cell research is considered horrific, totally against God and humanity, but as the arguments are made, how it can save lives well, the line of acceptability is about to move again. Likelihood is people will eventually embrace some form of human cloning because as long as there is a life to be saved, how can you say no to it? Well, Christian scientists are simply unwilling to move the line, unwilling to adjust our faith to keep up with the times. There will always be new medicines, new technologies, new devices and inventions. That doesn't change the fact that we consider this world to be a spiritual one and that both sin and illness can only be overcome by spiritual power. And since I believe divine healing to be my son's best chance at survival, I felt the most reasonable thing that I could do was turn to it. So while many of us draw the line at stem cell research and cloning, you draw it at 106 temperature. 
Mr. Hubert, did you go to an ophthalmologist to get your glasses? We don't consider that medicine. According to my records, you also visited a dentist last summer. Again, we consider that aid, not In medicine. In fact, you went during your son's illness. My faith allows for aid from a dentist. It doesn't medical treatment. I explain that, and I object to the ridicule. Do you think I came here today to ridicule you? You think there's a judge up there, a jury over here, all gathered to ridicule you, sir? This is a murder trial, Mr. Hubert. A boy is dead. My boy. You say that as if you were his parent. I was his parent. And you think it's prejudice to hold parenting up to the standards of reasonableness. Because that's what this is about, Mr. Little Hubert. Thing. I don't care what God you believe in. You were vested with the care of a very sick three-year-old little boy, and you let him die. I did Objection. not. Yes, you did. Objection! Withdrawn. Who gave you the right to exalt religion here at the expense... You find that in the Constitution, And Council. does one have to read the Constitution in order to be protected by it? What about the three-year-olds who cannot sound out the words yet? Did Peter have any rights, Mr. Hubert? Peter understood the basic principles of our faith. Is it your testimony that your son made an informed, competent decision not to go to the hospital as he lay dying in agony. Obviously, I made the choice. Yes, you made it. And what part of the Constitution I was you... his guardian. Yes, you were his guardian, Mr. Hubert. For God's sakes, you were his guardian, and you simply let him die. I did not. Oh, right. You prayed. Here's a flash, Mr. Hubert. We all pray. Wow, folks. And I, yeah, I mean, and I think, like, Helen's argument there is the whole thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's about informed consent. It's about an informed decision. And that, you know, we, we believe in religious freedom here, and, and I, I think that's important and that's great but that does it is not universal it is not without conditions and especially it does not apply when you are making decisions for somebody else right my religious freedom does not extend to i'm making decisions for you but also importantly for children and that like you you can't regardless of what your religious beliefs are, you can't sexually abuse your children. You know, the inf it, consent laws exist for a reason and they extend beyond religious freedom. And like, if, if the child turns 18 and decides I don't want medical treatment, that is their decision. And by all means go for it. But it's, but when you are, you have a, you have an affirmative responsibility to care for your children beyond your own religious beliefs. If your religious beliefs were like, I don't want to feed my children, my religious beliefs, I want to, you know, keep them in the yard and not give, put a, you know, give them a bed, tough shit that, you know, it does not extend it, uh, forever. Two points. One, I think it's actually, you know, in this in this case, I think it's interesting that we are that we are uh, calling back to the Rebecca episode because that's extrapolating that point out further, right? Now Rebecca, who was a Jehovah's Witness as a child, right, is now a grown adult, and the mother is making assumptions based on how the girl was raised. Much like myself, my mom to this day would tell you that I am a Catholic because I was baptized Catholic and she raised me Catholic. But the truth of the matter is, I am not a Catholic. 
because I don't choose to subscribe to that religion, right? So, so you know, the father, he may, I'm sure he is a very, uh, he's has his convictions are strong. And he his clearly believes strong. what he's saying, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's all well and good, but I think to the point, what does the law, how does the law come down on that? Uh, but, but past that, uh, less uh, less factually based, or, or more factually based, or emotionally based. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but my point is, uh, Helen not only laid out that legal case very well, but the way she said it, not with ridic- ridicule, but the way she set it up emotionally, yeah. and the way she planned her words uh, are very effective to a jury, I think. I think that she was able to to plot that case uh, I, I thought that that was really masterfully done for Helen. Is what I'm no, uh, it 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 really. I thought she I thought she nailed it, and it's it's one of those rare cases where I personally am very much on Helen's side, not mm-hmm. on our, our regular team's side. Um, you know, but I I think you're comparing it to Rebecca's case. Really isolates the point that I'm trying to make, even though they don't reference, spoiler alert, Rebecca's whole situation never gets addressed in this episode, Correct. which is weird. Um, but when they were debating uh, whether or not to give her the life-saving treatment, they were debating in court with her mother what Rebecca would have wanted, what Rebecca mm. believed or didn't believe, because Rebecca is a fully informed consenting adult and her beliefs and should be should be respected and her wishes should be respected which i think they should however a child is not old enough is not is not able to give informed consent therefore you have to default on protecting the child um which i thought i thought helen really argued that very well and got to the heart of it you know mm-hmm. if that child were an adult and chose not to treat themselves that is their choice and should be their choice, but you can't do that on behalf of an uninformed person. And let's talk about the unborn child now. Babies. I haven't seen any evidence that Mrs. Hubert is a dangerous person, other than Mr. Walsh's assumption that she's guilty of the charges for which she hasn't yet been convicted. The Commonwealth's petition is denied. Just like that? What do you want, a preamble? (laughs) Could I be heard, Your Honor? Every day on my job, I battle civil rights activists who bemoan the erosion of the Fourth Amendment. Get off my lawn! Who fight for the murderer's right to counsel. You know what I'm talking about. All those liberal puffer fish who are protesting the death penalty while they cling to a woman's right to have an abortion like it's an inalienable American right, and I'm sick of it. Who the hell is sticking up for this unborn person? He's eight months old. He's viable. And yet we say he doesn't exist for the purpose of being protected because he hasn't passed through the great vaginal gateway like it's the Holland Tunnel. Where in God's name are all the pro-lifers today sticking up for this little life? Why is this room empty, I ask? Because the proceeding is sealed. Anything else? (laughs) We fight for the rights of the accused, the right to abort, the right to exercise religion and free speech, but we don't fight for human life? We're like little bugs, ants, cockroaches. We're no better than the little vermin running around on our kitchen floor. We should just wipe the earth clean of mankind. 
How is he not an official cast member? He's so great. I don't necessarily Motion disagree with that we're all roaches. Denied. We're adjourned. <laughs> Swackheim. I wish he was around more. Ooh, what great sound work there. The, the hard pan left. I love every once in a while, like a sound guy just like flexes for, right. for no reason. It's I'm like a door, it's like, a door shutting. It's very subtly panned the whole episode, but then now we're just like, no, we're gonna do this three day three D spatial audio for this one shot. <laughs> Kenneth, clearly I don't like you, but I have always, always considered you a legal talent and an extremely formidable foe. But now, I feel a little bad. Kenneth, you need to get some help. You're rambling on like an evangelist on coke, whether it's a vacation. Are you sexually attracted to me? No, I'm not. I didn't think so. But the shrink threw it out, so I thought I'd ask. Women never are, you know, attracted to me. See sperm magnet over there? Because <laughs> you didn't hear it the first dreams. time. Kenneth, you need to take a break. Maybe. I am tired. I seem to be tired a lot. The way he can take some of these out outrageous dialogue he's been given and and ground it is insane to me how good he is. He ended up being a terrific character, too. There's nobody else in that courtroom. They didn't have something scheduled for later. Or... Usually they're pretty busy. All set? Bobby, I want to start my own practice. Boom. Well done, Mike. Excuse me. I can rent this office, take little cases. Lindsay. I'm not ready to just jump back in, Bobby. I, I don't know when I will be. And, and this is a way for me to take baby steps. Start a new practice in this room? I can. You know, with all the millions of dollars I've made for us? Take little collection cases, contract disputes, fight parking tickets. I can even be my own secretary. I can use your library. Lucy can help me with pleadings from time to time. I like the quiet here. Let's not think Makes for sense. a second this isn't about freedom of religion. Oh, but you know what it is about? It is... Oh, God. For I, I can't find it. There it is. It's closing time. Time. time to put your case You're in the right key. Well done. It's closing time. Otherwise you cry instead. Closing time. Eugene? <laughs> There's not even a suggestion that Roland and Wendy Hubert didn't believe prayer was capable of healing their son. It had in the past. It had cured Peter in the past, and they believed it would do so here. They are on trial because the prosecution considers that belief, that religious belief, 
to be unreasonable. And you know what? So do I. My kid, he goes to the hospital, but that's me, my right. Mr. and Mrs. Hubert have their rights. Problem is, they picked the wrong time in the world to exercise them. See, the American people have no tolerance right now for somebody dying in the name of a god from an unpopular religion. And that's exactly or why this children case is dying important. unnecessarily. But not just to the Huberts, to all of us. This was a heavy wheelbarrow to push Every legal scholar today. across this yeah. country today is united in one common sentiment. We are one terrorist attack away from kissing the Constitution goodbye. Now, this case isn't about terrorism. Of course not. But it is one affected by it. Because our civil rights, including and especially freedom of religion, are becoming endangered species. This trial would have never happened before September 11th. Never. They can't even show how medical help would have saved Peter Hubert. He caught a deadly virus that is fatal much of the time, medical care or not. How? That's huh? a stretch, bringing 9-11 somehow has something to do with it. can you charge a couple with murder for not calling a doctor? Well, everything when was 9-11 at that point. the strong possibility is calling that doctor would have made no difference. They have no case. But here we are, just the same. Why? Because the public is angry. Somebody died, seemingly for somebody else's God, and we sure as hell don't go for that, do we? Don't you dare think this isn't a referendum on Christian science. Don't you dare believe freedom of religion isn't in play here. These people aren't murderers. They're loving parents. Even the prosecution's own witness told you that. And Mr. Huber's testimony about the medical perversities such as transplants, stem cell research, cloning, it's all true. Doctors playing God. Well, as human beings, we all implore, let God be God. Well, that's what Wendy and Roland were trying to do here. They were attempting to save their child by letting God be God. I'm usually all for a Eugene Close, but I... I mean, I guess they don't have much else to go with. It's got nothing. If they succeed in making this about freedom of religion, they win. Because we're all for the First Amendment, aren't we? One person's faith is no more right than the next guy's. Kitten almost turned off the If computer. I have the burden of condemning <laughs> Christian Jeez, science, then the prosecution loses, as it should. But this case has nothing to do with religion. This case is about parenting. Something we very much hold up to the standards of reasonableness. Not to mention decency. This case is about a little boy who got sick, first with a burning fever, then muscle pain, Sorry about nausea, perhaps delirium. This is about a child whose lungs filled up with fluid to the point where he could no longer breathe, to the point of death, all under the watch of those two people, his parents. A neighbor heard the screams, called an ambulance, they sent the paramedics away. The expert evidence here, which stands uncontradicted, is that Peter Hubert likely would have been saved had he gotten medical attention. So we don't need to dignify defense counsel's ridiculous claim that what they did, what they didn't do, made no difference. You can believe in whatever God you want. Worship the way you like. 
But when you have a child, when you bring a child into this world, you have a duty. You owe that child. When you see him dying, dying a painful death in front of you, you have a duty to get that child medical attention. You cannot ignore that obligation by cloaking yourself in some religious freedom. I'm offended by Mr. Young's trading on terrorism, on our fears over our changing world. I assure you, I prosecuted murderers before September 11th, and I continue to do so after. If you're looking to draw any connection, what happened September 11th, what happened to Peter Hubert? Both were crimes against the very core of humanity. A little boy died. He suffered because his parents wouldn't call a doctor. That's why we're here. That is the only reason we are here. So I weird to be on Helen's side. So, so now we wait. They'll deliberate to five o'clock. If they haven't reached a verdict, they'll suspend till tomorrow. Oh. Wendy. Oh. Checkoffs contractions are going off. Wait. Now? Y'all should Not have pleaded again. But today. Okay, okay. Uh, Judge maybe Kittleson we should get wouldn't the paramedics. Is that okay? Yeah, to take her home, yes. We have a midwife. I'll call her. She can meet us there. Oh. Ah, oh, so. Keith, now we have to do a moral reckoning. We have to have the clients be either be found not guilty or something like that. And then she's going to want to go home. She's having like, you know, uh, complications and they could, she could die and the baby could die. And all they're going to want to do is go home and pray on it. And Bobby's going to be like, oh shit. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, Lindsay already got a door. She got a door. Lindsay Dole, attorney at law, mother. That seems. That seems, well, I guess it's accurate. Oh. It's like a hakoopsie. Don't you like it? <laughs> well, yes, but the, the personal stuff is usually left off the door. Yeah. I'll take it off eventually. But I want the people who hire me to get the idea. I'm not going to be here later on call at home. They like see mother. It. it makes a point. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, my LinkedIn... It's like something, something creative, professional, compassionate human being. Because I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's important to lie a little bit on your resume. <laughs> How'd it go? Of course, I also have a video clip, uh, audio clip saying, I got a very big dick. Almost <laughs> <laughs> soon. How about you? I lost. Well, you know, swag time. Lazy, fat. Listen, uh... I'm leaving I'm the show. I'm taking some time. <laughs> Go away. Get some rest. I'm doing a pilot. I'm just going to take some time. He could absolutely carry his own show. How much? Oh, no question. Oh, I don't know. Until I... Uh, Stop talking about sex to everyone? Until sweeps. I get better. You will get better. You've, you've just been uh, overworked, overtired. Yeah. 
Helen. I uh... put you in some some pickles. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There we go. Just get yourself well. Whatever it takes. Are you sexually attracted to me? Oh, uh, I'll be fine. Uh, uh, I rejected the hug. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Uh, well, verdict is still out on me, but yours just came in. There's only a few more minutes left in the episode. We have to. You're doing fine. You're doing great. Can they read the verdict without them present? They'll have to. I feel like Eugene would know that. I love a good verdict read. Obviously, not intercutting back and forth. Has the She's jury not reached giving birth in the verdict. courtroom. We have, Your Honor. Almost. Keep going. There's a couple more, honey. Okay. In the matter they of didn't give that lady any lines this episode. Roland Hubert and Wendy Hubert, on count one, murder in the second degree against Roland Hubert, we find the defendant, Roland Hubert, guilty. Guilty. Oh. On count two, Murder in the second degree against Wendy Hubert. We find the defendant, Wendy Hubert, guilty. <gasps> oh, here he comes. Oh, he's beautiful. He's your son, you ain't gonna see for Here long. he is. He's six months old. <laughs> Arrest warrants are issued for Mr. and Mrs. Hubert. Your Honor, can we be allowed to surrender them? I'm sorry. Post-conviction, I can't give you that courtesy. Members of the jury, thank you for your service. Are they going to dramatically break into their house now? Ray's going to go in with a shotgun. Okay. Knock down the door. She had a boy. Let's go. He just got a text message? No, it's it's a beeper that just says... They'll take Wendy to B- a medical B. facility. By they law, <laughs> they have to at least for a day. By B, I mean upside down six. What about my son? Mm. Social services is on their way. They take custody initially till we figure things out. Why can't he come with us? I'll make sure he's okay, Wendy. To Don't prison? You worry. Let's go. I'll wait for social services. Then they have a giant door. What really happens? He goes into foster homes? Now we put Not him really on the sure. stoop of a church and hope for the best. He's beautiful, isn't he? Yes. Would you like to hold him? Sure. <laughs> That's awkward. He's yours. This scene is amazing because there's a baby in it. It's super baby. Helen's got a baby. The midwife's got a baby. So, like, you go to prison and just, like, whoever, whatever strangers are in your house, just what, I'm not get to, like, just walk down. I wasn't. 
I was just looking at an odd sight under the circumstances. It's not wrong about that. He is beautiful. Yeah. He's already gotten more screen time than your baby, Bobby. <laughs> That's definitely true. Okay. Guys, the uh, the episode promised that the cradle will rock. And guess what? It did. And you want to know what's, yeah. what's going to rock now? It's our little after show show. Hop back over to the YouTubes. We will see you soon. And we are back, baby. Baby back. We got our baby back. We are here uh, to talk about the practice season seven episode four the cradle will rock and in case uh you weren't there because hulu you know they were like eh, fuck this they dropped the practice luckily just as good as watching david e kelly's award-winning series it's mike in our favorite segment in our favorite segment mm, two three Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. I don't know. Segment. 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 Well, folks, uh, nobody's pissed, but we have some people who are uh, suffering mental fallout from the stuff, and that is uh, D.A. Walsh and also uh, Lindsay. Lindsay, who wants to open her own firm in that like weird conjoined office with a hole in the door. Mm -hmm. uh, and Walsh just thinks everybody is a sperm magnet. Uh, and then there's another baby, and the baby is uh, dead because his parents are uh, sticking to their religious convictions. But it turns out that doesn't preclude you from going to prison for second-degree murder. And mm. Lindsay starts her own law firm. Okay. Thank you very much. Now, would you please do that again in uh, fewer syllables? Por favor. Uh, sure. A baby is dead. His parents could have saved him. Were they playing God? Yeah. Yeah, nice cutout. Mike is uh, upping his game. <laughs> Adding, uh, you know, circular cutouts. You didn't you didn't <laughs> think we would ever get to the point where we could do circular cutouts. But guess you know, what, folks? You know, we're I gotta here. say, surprisingly more complicated in OBS than it should be. Yeah. You have to do a whole like map, what do they call it? A, a mat, like a sharpening mat, and then you have to like do a whole thing, and you have to like create a whole PNG for it. It's it's pretty dumb, but that's You what just it didn't is. do it in Photoshop? Uh, you could, but I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to create an overlay. I'm trying to put a mat onto a right. active video, a so it's a little thing. bit more complicated. All right, blah, anyway. blah, blah, very interesting, uh, but not as interesting. As our uh, after-show awards show, we like to call, we like to call, we love to call, Why didn't we the video love play? the bumper, everybody's hey! favorite, there it is. The Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, 
and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Oh, uh, well, Jackie, they're a fake award show that begins every week with Really, it's really good to think down as you're going up. Just think down. Yeah, really lock in with your toes. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Keith, this one, you know, it's been tr- challenging the past couple of weeks. We've had some challenging awards. This week, it's a little bit easier. I think uh, not only was the law on her side, but you and I, our political and religious beliefs were on her side. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We think Helen had was in the right we think she had the most slam dunk case and she saw it to fruition uh convicting two parents who by all intents and purposes were loving parents uh however uh that love knew some bounds and uh there was complications and helen had to do what helen had to do and she's also our mvl yeah well uh, yeah i can't i uh, i can't disagree i thought she you know, she, she did a really good job articulating her point, particularly when he was on the stand. Like, even better than her clothes was uh, her on the stand. So, congratulations, Helen Gamble, with your MVL. Coming up next, everybody dance, because season seven is double time. Here we go. Oh no. Already famous because you've Ladies been and on gentlemen, TV. Oh, he's on pause because he is on pause. Oh. I've been guest doing it the whole time, actor. I promise. Uh, okay. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. I'm I swear. to see how that's going to time out. How that's going to time out. It's going to be terrible, but you know, this is shooting in 60 frames a second, so. Uh, I don't think Skype is giving you 60 so you're frames. You're getting 1080 from me. 60, huh? 1080 60. Well, this thing got, does does 4K. Uh, really? But, you have to send me a link to what you're using. I uh, am only recording at 30 frames for for Oopsie. So. Yeah. Well, you know, we may uh, we may do a little review uh, of this thing. We'll do a little unboxing and review uh, because that will get us more views than anything else we're doing. So. No, not untrue. You know, we're lonely. We'll we'll talk to anybody. You know, practice fans, Star Trek fans, people looking in in the market for a camera, whatever, just be our friend. (laughs) You know, Keith, uh, I've said it before. I'll say it Mm -hmm. again. I said it during Mm -hmm. the episode for those Mm -hmm. of you masochists who listen to the whole thing. You've heard me say it already. Uh, Schmitchevitz cannot be stopped. Uh, A shout out to the guy who played Pat because... Apparently, he's been a longtime uh, member of the show. We've just never seen his face before, and he's had enough of the noise coming from next door, so we never really understood why he threw a rock through the window. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, my only true nit, and we'll talk about later, is what the hell that was all about. Uh, Unclear. We'll have fun talking about it later, uh, but I think Schmitovich, uh yep. is just like a tour de force, because I, I just want to point out, if we were to extrapolate just the dialogue from the last couple episodes specifically uh, and read it off the page, you'd be like, this is terrible. Uh, but he has found a way to make it a fully formed character, and I'm so glad that they're sending him off to get the help he so desperately needs. 
Uh, though I, I'm afraid it means we're not going to see more of him, which kind of sucks. We've kind of introduced those two new lawyers or two new players, and then now they're both gone. So uh, that's sad to say. But we're sending him off with an oopsie, so that's my, my pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as presumptuous as Mike might be, awarding both oopsies on our behalf, I, I totally agree. I, I'm so used to writing Smitrovich into our spreadsheet here. I'm just calling him Smitty now to save time. So uh, <laughs> I like, literally am. So congratulations, our good friend Smitty, with your back to back best guest. Actors, now it is time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show I say it all the time, lots of good performances this week. Uh, Notable, I'd like to point out Kelly Williams, who is... uh, he was being careful not to like play crazy, right? She's right. dealing with some shit, and it could easily—I mean—they didn't give her a lot to like. She—that's all heavy lifting is on her part to make this not over the top and make it right. grounded. Because Schmitzvitz, <laughs> Smitty, Smitty uh, was given better dialogue to work through his what's happening, right? Uh, it, unclear if if Lindsay's getting any help. She should absolutely be getting some help. Uh, one would hope, yes. Uh, but that aside, Kelly Williams really great this episode. However, and so and so is Bobby Donald, and so's or excuse me, so's Dylan, and so's Steve. A lot of great performances this week. But I once again think for me, uh, this episode was um, Lara Flynn Boyle. She mm-hmm. she got the heavy lifting. She got the great writing, but. She she carried it off. Let's not forget we've been up and down on the Helen character for a, quite a while. Yeah. But when she's right, yeah. she's right. And in this in this case, we were on her side. I don't think that skewed my thinking. I think she just uh, that 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 courtroom scene, her clothes and her her um uh, her cross examination of the father really solidified it for me. I think she's the, yeah. the best actor on the episode. Yeah, I I I think so too. I think um. I definitely want to give a shout out to Cameron, who did such a good job navigating Smichovich in that moment and and handled um, his sort of Looney Tunedness with some dignity and compassion, which we haven't seen from her to him. And maybe he didn't deserve in that moment. But I really liked both the writing and her performance of like expressing concern. Um, and doing so in a very reasonable way, so I like that. But yes, it is, it's uh, it's Lara Flynn. I thought she really did a uh, did an excellent job um, in this episode, both you know both the writing and and uh, performance. Uh, big fan. Okay, well uh, that leaves us with uh, our good friend and this week loser, the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Keith, some would say. That, Some would say that he lost because of his terrible offensive line. Now we wouldn't say that. We would say he lost because he's a terrible, terrible person. That's right. But that's right. Some would say. But in honor of those, some I will say that this week's winner of the Tom Brady over being Tom Brady is Tom Brady playing football, but his his offensive line is all baby sharks. <laughs> okay. 
Thank you. Uh, let me see if I can write this as quickly as possible. Uh, all right. So the winner of the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady is Tom Brady. But his offensive line is all baby sharks. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Take it away, Mr. Indeglio. It started weird um, because, uh, you know the whole pat thing. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it worked for me. Yeah, that scene didn't quite work. Uh, it's not that it didn't work, it just didn't make any sense, like, on any level. And it really is messing with me. But that aside, I love the case. I actually think, once again, when they did a rehash of a sort of uh, the religious uh, exemption case, it, they did it better this time. I thought, um, they were able to present it without really making a strong anti-religious case, which I think is where people get mucked up when you're dealing with religion. We It often becomes about balance, right? Are we balancing, are we giving enough, I'm talking about in, in a show or whatnot, are we balancing enough of the respect for the religion versus, you know, like, and what I think Helen did and what the writing did in this episode is it made it about the merits, right? Rather than it's not that we're saying they're bad people, or that their religion has killed this baby. It's that what you pointed out so eloquently during the episode is that it's about your responsibility as a parent and the responsibility you're supposed to be as as a as a uh, um, as as a caretaker for this person with rights, right? And and what deference do we give to their rights? Uh, which they tried to, I think, counterpoint also with the Schmitchevitz uh, B line for the fetus, um, and I think that was a little more muddy, but uh, regardless, wherever you f I, I think both sides were presented respectfully, which I think is important for the point to be made, and I think it played out the way it should have played out, and we didn't have any big twist endings, and we didn't have any uh, gotcha moments. It was just like what you and I always ask for here and there is just give me the, the case on its merits, let the actors be actors, do their work, and let the point be made through the catalyst of the episode, which is what I thought happened here, and it happened well. Now, I'm sure that there were people, practice fans, and people on the staff at the time who were like, oh, it's it's a boring episode, nothing big is happening, and guess what, that's okay sometimes, especially when we've had all these momentous uh, things happening. Now, listen, do I think that they they went a little overboard with the D.A. Walsh character and maybe the long arm of time has not really reflected well on some of the some of the dialogue in this episode as far as he's concerned yes um and i i'll i'll leave it to you to talk a little bit more about that but i think what i've mentioned in in the oopsies is that he does ground it and we do kind of we do kind of cover it with the fact that he's well he's going through some things and he's gonna go get help right and he's apologized to helen and he's I mean, it's a little ugly, but that's, look, life is a little ugly sometimes. Um, and I think the resolution of the case is is good. Uh, the, the tag at the end with Bobby and Helen with the, the baby, and they just wheel the people out, and then they're under arrest, and we're just in their house, is like, eh, it's TV. All said, I think it's a good episode. I really liked it, actually. I mean, it's interesting to look at IMDb sometimes uh, and see that, how, how the general public votes an episode, whereas last week they loved it. This week they don't, not as much. Um, oh, and, and the Lindsay fallout. I think that that's 
that's great. I think it's what Lindsay needs, and I think it's a good healing place for the character that she deserves, right? Um, I wish it was handled a little less like, they do shoot it in a way that she does seem a little bit fish out of watery, but I guess that's where she would be. So long story short, I really like the episodes. I think I liked it more than the IMDb ranking, which sits like a 7.3. I'm gonna give it uh, the full eight spare tires, even. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I agree with you on all of these things. I mean, I, I... The the silliness of the neighbor and the throwing the thing through the window, that was sort of silly. And uh, whatever, you need to find a way to show that there's an office next door that's available. There's definitely a better way to do that. That was a very um, old school, schmacky, David E. Kelly way to do that. Whatever. It wasn't important. That's not what the episode was about. It was just sort of a device. Um, but this episode really hits all the things that I really like about the practice. And that is when they get into a thorny issue, a topical issue, a controversial issue, argue, articulate both sides as well as you can. And then, um, you know, and then tell it, tell the story there and really get into it and don't speak down to your audience. Let it be the story and let the, the debate about it, Stand on its own. Let it be enough. Let it be enough that this is a thorny, complicated issue that people feel strongly about. Um, and, uh, you know, I really I really liked that. And um, it got me thinking, which is what I want. I want to be, I want to like walk away from it like, huh, well, how would I articulate my position on that? And part of that is like, it's my job as a podcaster. But but in general, to really start job. thinking about that. Jo job, yes. Uh, but it's... Certainly, um, I thought I thought it articulated well that we are in a continuing debate in this country about the nature of freedom and the nature of our rights and um, balancing. You know, with you know, talk about the Constitution, talk about the Bill of Rights as an evolving document, as something that is continually changing and growing, and it, it's never it's it's not absolute and never has been. Uh, certainly within our country, you know, uh, people were free unless you were slaves, right? Because we, we, we dealt with that, you know, and, and people then weren't treated equally. And then um, even, the, even the rights that we hold dear, freedom of speech, right? It's not absolute. There are limitations because your personal freedom impacts the greater freedom. So... My personal freedom to yell fire in a crowded theater impacts other people's freedom to not die in a stampede. So there's always been a debate and always will be a debate of, of how personal freedom and, 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 and the, the larger picture freedom interact and where we should draw those lines. And I talked about it before, that, that when you are responsible for another human being— be it a child or be it somebody who is unable to make informed decisions, your freedoms affect their freedoms and their freedoms also are are impacted and are just as valuable as yours. And how do we adjudicate that? Well, that's why we have a governing system. That's why we have a court system. And I really liked that. I thought that was really well articulated. So, um, you know, and the Simitrovich thing, like it, it's was pretty 
pretty all over the place, pretty scene chewy, but I thought it was earned because we've we've seen him get here for a while and him sort of losing his filter. Um, I get it from a character standpoint, why you'd get there. Also, based on what we've known about this character going in, I would imagine these would be his unfiltered thoughts. Um, and from the standpoint of the show, even the outrageous things he was saying, the show wasn't saying that this was a reasonable, good thing to believe. The show called him on it every time. So it was a character decision, not the show saying that these are appropriate things. Um, and I think that's, I think that's really important when we look at the, the, the context of it. So, uh, all in all, yeah, I really liked this episode. Um, and you know, I'm beginning to feel like season seven, at least four episodes in got a bit of a bum rap because the show was starting to flounder a little bit in the ratings and, uh, you know, after season six, which was kind of a mess, people were thinking like, oh, this, this thing's maybe a little, little bit off the rails. Well, season seven so far feels pretty steadily back on the rails. So I'm glad about that. And I, uh, I'm going to give this 8.37 spare tires. All right. So, 8. uh, 8.73? 8.37. Okay. 8.37. So very, very good. Um, all right. We have only one more thing to do. Before uh, we roll the credits, Mike, talk to me about our Easter egg. You know what? I, I don't know. I'm I love it when I have no clue. Is I'll take a shot in the dark. Is that like yep. the founding founder of, of Christian Science or something? It sure as hell is. It is Mary Baker Eddy who founded the Church of Christ Scientist in 1879. Oh, so. Uh, well done. Well done. Context cluing, Mike. Now, to give you some context clues about how to uh, argue with us and tell us your feelings about the practice, you can find us on email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the two social media platforms we're old enough to use, <laughs> or not too old to use, at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. While you're on the internet, you know, at this point, just to spite us, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. I'll be forced to update this picture here. No one's done it in about 15 years. Uh, but you know who does do stuff more frequently than that are wonderful founding sponsors, Jorge Novoa, Club Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know that you can get your name on that non-Photoshopped list? All you have to do is click one of our two links in our show notes every week to leave us a one-time donation, help us buy the next episode, or a monthly contribution, or you can just tell a friend to listen to the Out of Practice podcast. We've been going strong, haven't missed a week for seven seasons. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what you could do? Recycle your own episode, find your favorite little quip of mine at the end, and fire off some baby laser sound. Baby laser sounds. Babies.